Welcome to the best of the Nick Brown Show, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's your host, Nick Brown. Welcome back to the Nick Brown Show. Certainly appreciate you waking up early on this great Saturday morning. How could you sleep in? College football is back. And this just in, the Atlanta Braves are interested in signing Tim Tebow. And maybe as part of that deal, they'll sign in a great relief pitcher from Hueytown, Alabama, named Lynn Scarborough. Got one season left in him. Good morning, Lynn. How are you? I don't know. I, I never had the first season, man. I ain't got one season left. I, I, unfortunately, I, I'm, I'm a big Tim Tebow fan, let me tell you that. But, uh, you know, I'm afraid if they sign Tim that they might be getting about the same thing if they got me. I, I would love to see Tim make it. But, uh, you know, you, you saw he got real, real mixed reviews on his uh, on his workouts. But, you know, I thought he looked good. I'm curious. You grew up in Hueytown, Alabama. Did you play uh, baseball as a kid? In a, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody plays like little. I mean, back, back, hey, I'm so old. You know, we didn't have Little League uh, in, <laughs> out, out, out from Hueytown. Uh, I forget what we called it. But, I mean, yeah, I, I played a couple years, but. That you know, just no, nothing, nothing serious. I did not play on the high school team, and certainly never thought about playing college ball. I want to tell you, I want to start right off now because last season the Auburn Tigers were picked really high. In fact, I got my copy of Lindy's out and looked at it from a year ago. And Jeremy Johnson's on the cover, looking great. Heisman Trophy candidate. Uh, Tigers expected to do really well, push for the fourteen playoff. Is it going to be deja vu with the Tennessee Balls and Josh Dobbs after we saw that performance versus App State? There's no way to explain what happened in the Tennessee game. Uh, you know, this is this is not an Appalachian State team that's won back-to-back national championships uh, in the time frame when they beat Michigan. The ironic thing, it was nine years to the day. Uh, on September 1st, 2007, they went into Michigan and uh, and beat Michigan. And uh, on September 1st, uh, 2016, nine years to the day, they go in, outplay Tennessee. And if uh, if either one of their guys, Josh Dobbs, has fumbled away the game and the ball's laying there on the ground in the end zone and they got a Appalachian State guy on either side of the ball, if either one of them just look over and lay on the ball, then if they can hand the ball three times up the middle and kick a field goal, they win the game. Now, with, uh, with uh, Appalachian State's kicker, I'm not sure that they would have won it. Because if he doesn't shank a uh, extra point, uh, and if he doesn't uh, shank a field goal, then uh, Appalachian State won, wins the game they deserve to have won in regulation, and Tennessee never even gets a chance to pull the thing out in overtime. You know, I don't know. Either, either they really have gotten a wake-up call because of what happened, or 99% of the predictors in America are going to have egg on their face. Well, you know, and, and here's the thing. I look as uh, uh, App State made the transition from an SES team uh, years ago. I think there's a difference, and I think you look at one of the positions maybe often overlooked when you're making that transition is your kicker because I can tell you that kicking and taking away nothing from our FCS programs because we love them here on the Nick Brown Show, but it's different kicking at Turpin Stadium in Natchitoches, Louisiana, than it is kicking at Nayland Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah, there's no question about that. And it's, you know, and, and the thing is, those, you know, Tennessee's got everything. I mean, they got we got receivers, great running backs. The quarterback's supposed to be the second best quarterback in the league. Good recruiting classes, solid. I mean, uh, and, and for Appalachian State to come in there, outplay them, and deserve to win the game. Uh, you know, here's the thing: you can look back in every championship season. Alabama yeah. had a championship year when they they beat somebody. It, it might have been, it might have been like Southwest Louisiana back at the time, where they won on a on a punt return. 
They they won by seven points over a team. They were 25, 30 points favored to beat, and they basically got outplayed during the game, and they won on a punt return. Well, that was the year, I believe, that they played for a championship. Um, you know, uh, Auburn had a couple of them uh, in a couple of years that they've, that they've played. And, it, and I'm sure if I go back and, and could research it a little bit, you could find games at LSU and Florida and the other ACC teams that have either won or played for national championships had games that they easily could have lost. The uh, Tennessee uh, is, the, is the absolute prime example. Uh, 1997, when they win the championship, Arkansas has them beat. And Clint Sterner, the quarterback for Arkansas, literally trips over his own shoe as he comes back from center and instinctively to brace himself, he reaches down to brace himself with the ball in his hand. The ball bounces free, Tennessee recovers, and Tennessee wins the ball game. Arkansas is going to be able to run the, run the clock out and win the game. And Tennessee goes on and wins the national championship off of a play that was literally handed to them they did nothing to deserve. With and, the, yeah, and uh, I was going to say interesting about that, that quarterback was T. Martin, and now T. Martin right. out of Mobile. He's the, going to be the offensive coordinator tonight for USC as they take on the Alabama Crimson Tide. We'll wait to talk about that, but I just I remembered that so well. And So here's the thing. If you're a Tennessee Vol fan, just be glad you're 1-0 and all those things that you've just mentioned, hopefully that is the case, not a, a Jeremy Johnson and Auburn Tigers deja vu from last season. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if this is the wake-up call, that, that glitch that uh, happens during, during almost every championship contending season, or if this is an omen. And, uh, and if it's an omen, then uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I suspect if Tennessee loses four or five ball games and is not the champion of the Eastern Division, uh, with all the hype they've been given, and with on paper how they are so dominant over every other team that they should be playing in their division, I don't know that we will have, when's the last time we will have seen a fan base as frustrated, disappointed, revolting uh, as what you're going to see from 107,000 uh, guys dressed in orange and their closest friends are up in Naylon every weekend. Uh, you're exactly right. I want to turn down. We're talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Lynn takes you to 10 every Saturday morning on the Nick Brown Show. And, Lynn, I'm going to talk about the South Alabama-Mississippi State game. It's, we'll call it 1AD uh, after Dak. And you look at South Alabama, and I, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. They had uh, great years when they were in that transition, when they were starting a program, but their level of competition was very weak. Joey Jones, the head coach, played at Alabama for Bear Bryant. In my mind, I always thought that Joey Jones would go, coach South Alabama, then become some type of coordinator at Alabama, and make the transition into the head coaching role. Well, it just hasn't happened, and they had everything in their favor to make it happen. Southern Miss, a strong recruiting area, they share it with uh, South Alabama. They were down with Ellis Johnson, didn't win a game. They couldn't take advantage of that. We were sending the, seeing the end of your good friend, uh, Larry Blakeney, his tenure at Troy. Troy dropped off a little bit. They couldn't take advantage of that. And they couldn't take advantage of the situation at UAB. So now you find South Alabama with Joey Jones taking on the Mississippi State Bulldogs today. Yeah, and, and uh, I, think, I think the jury's still out it's about what's going to happen with South Alabama long term. It's still very early in the evolution of their program. Uh, go back two years ago, and uh, we're talking about Tennessee. Uh, look at the score of the South Alabama at Tennessee game two years ago and check the yardage and see who actually did what. Uh, South Alabama went up and very well should have beaten uh, Tennessee, just like Appalachian State should have beaten the other night. Uh, and, and they have played, you know, they play, South Alabama's played some very competitive ball games and they've earned a bowl bid. Uh, so, so it's not like 
you know, yeah, they're, they're, not not there, they're not there yet. And it's, yeah, I would love to, I'd love to recruit for, for South Alabama. Come down here where the weather's good. You're close to the, uh, you're close to the beach. You got uh, a girls, uh, you know, wearing halter tops to class, and you've got great weather. And you can go down to Wenzel's and oysters at the oyster bar. And uh, I think South Alabama they got decent facilities uh, for their for their level of play. So I mean, I think that there's good potential there. Uh, but this this team's not going to beat Mississippi State. I don't I don't think. But then I didn't think Appalachian State was failing through with Tennessee. Uh, Mississippi State lost a lot. I mean, let's you know be honest about it. I mean, they got a great receiver coming back. But I mean, they lost a lot on the line. They lost a good running back. Uh, and they lost the best player in their history. Uh, I don't know whoever you consider the best player in the history of LSU or Auburn or Alabama, but but whoever that is, that's who Mississippi State lost. Uh, they lost a guy that, in my mind, is easily the best uh, player they've ever had, and who may be the starting cow- uh, quarterback for Dallas Cowboys. That's not going to be easy to replace. Uh, Mississippi State's lucky in that they play, uh, the, I guess, the easiest schedule of anybody in the in the Western Division. Uh, for some reason, they got that game stuck with Brigham Young out in Provo in the middle of the season. I don't know who in the world thought that was a good idea, but uh, but otherwise, you know, they got three easy non-conference uh, teams, and uh, and they don't play the uh, the best teams in the uh, Eastern Division. Now, so, I, uh, I, I want to run back one thing too, and I talked to you, and I talked to you on the phone, and I failed to bring it up. When we were talking about it with Tennessee. I'm going to say it for Tennessee Vol fans, we got a ton in North Louisiana. I think so much has been made about that game at Bristol, and I talked about you on Thursday. We thought there's no way they could overlook App State. I think all their eggs, everything you heard out of Knoxville was getting the stadium ready. They're putting the turf down at Bristol. I think you're going to see a different Tennessee team. I just want—I forgot to mention that. I wanted to mention that to you because I think I think they overlooked App State, and we're looking forward to Bristol because everybody—that's all everyone was talking about. Well, maybe. I mean, that's that's possible. I mean, it's a human. It's a tendency. Uh, it's an understandable tendency to do that. It will, uh, you know, th- th- right there in your backyard. Will uh, Will Arkansas overlook Louisiana Tech because they got to go play a good TCU team in uh, in Fort Worth next week? Maybe uh, if if the coaches do their job, they won't. Uh, I would have I would have caused my players to sit and watch the entire replay of the Appalachian State Michigan game if I'd been Bush Jones and his staff because uh, you know you got them out man, but you got to beat them in between your ears. And I would have I'd have them sit and watch the entire. Uh, Appalachian State Michigan ball game, so they could realize what could happen. Hopefully, what happened in Knoxville is a is a uh, as an eye opener to uh, to all of the teams in the SEC, particularly those teams that are that uh, are starting out this week playing teams that are not uh, that are not Power Five conference teams. Well, I will look and go through. You got Missouri at West Virginia. That game is kind of uh, because it's been overshadowed because of all the games going on across the land. That's one you haven't heard much talk about. No, it's a good ball game. I mean. Uh, you know, Missouri lost their lost the starting quarterback. Um, and uh, Hansborough left too, didn't he? The running back, he yeah. came back for them, is he? You're correct. It's Hansborough, but he's gone too. He's gone. So, you know, they've lost they've lost some of the better players. They, they had to suspend one of their better defensive players. Uh, I think maybe two of their two of their defensive linemen uh, were suspended, so they didn't have didn't didn't have the, the level of depth that the, uh, the 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 more powerful traditional teams in the conference got anyway. They're going to West Virginia. It's a road game. They, they probably won't have a good uh, Missouri fan base there with it being Labor Day weekend. Um, and and I've, I've covered games in Morgantown, and that's a tough place to play. I suspect there'll be a lot of sofas burned tonight. Or, uh, <laughs> tonight right? I think you have a lot of furniture burnings in uh, in Morgantown tonight. Yeah, there you go. That's a good one. i tell you what, a game. And, you know, I'm a little disappointed that Kirby Smart did not call me and ask me who Nick Brown wanted him to start at quarterback, and that was going to be Jacob Eason. But I want to tell you about this game. 
Glenn, uh, you know, everybody has a game they're looking forward to. Of course, you know, you got a 1A, you're, you're Auburn-Clemson. And then what's the second game? I'm calling it 1B because it's such a great weekend of college football. Mine is Georgia-North Carolina simply because you've got Georgia, coached by Kirby Smart, his defensive, his defensive mindset, who's his offensive coordinator, Jim Chaney. Then you look at North Carolina, Larry Fedora, his offense, he's an offensive guy, his defensive coordinator is Gene Chizik. So I look at this game as a coordinator's game, how is Gene Chizik and how is Jim Chaney, you know, what their head coaches go opposite of their specialty area. But I just wish Jacob East would have been starting quarterback. That's Georgia and North Carolina. Well, I, I think that, uh, that Georgia, Alabama, and Auburn, uh, uh, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, and Jess Malzahn all made the same choice. I think it's very possible that the most talented quarterback on, on each of those teams, the one maybe best suited to run the offense there, uh, is somebody that would not have played before. Uh, Jacob Eason is the quarterback of the future of Georgia. Um, I, it's going to take a heck of a quarterback being recruited in the next couple of years to have a chance to supplant him. Uh, he was the number one quarterback in the country last year. He looked like a Heisman Trophy winner in the spring game. I admit he was going up against his own defense. But he's a very, very good quarterback. But he's going up against a good North Carolina team. People forget. You know, the only reason Clemson was in the national championship yes. game last year is because they beat North Carolina in a in a uh, game that ended with the worst, with, with the second worst call I've ever seen in college football. Uh, you had Ray Charles on one end and Jose Feliciano on the other end looking at the onside kick attempt by North Carolina and and somehow ruling that North Carolina's players were offsides on the kick. Uh, they were they were two or three yards behind the ball. And uh, North Carolina recovered the ball up around midfield. They had the momentum. Uh, I don't know if in the last minute and a half of the game they would have gotten a position to score, but they should have had the chance, and they and they didn't get it, um, and they should have. And uh, you know, North Carolina was it was within a hair of uh, determining who was going to be in the final four game. Uh, They're not- a very good ball team, and they got a really strong defensive team, and they got a good defensive coordinator. Um, Lee, with that being said, you know Georgia's got a great chance to win the game. But it's, it's not the slam dunk that some people seem to think it is. Okay, we're talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Lynn takes you to 10 every Saturday morning on the Nick Brown Show. And, Lynn, that only begs the question, because many of our listeners now want to know, as do I, if that's the second worst call you've ever seen, what is the worst? Well, a touchdown by Vanderbilt in a home game a number of years ago that I covered up there where their receiver was out of bounds and dropped the ball. Uh, either one, you know, if – other than that, other than the fact that when he came down, he was out of bounds, both feet out of bounds, and he dropped the ball. Other than that, it was a touchdown. Now, fortunately, and I'm usually a quasi-Vanderbilt fan, but fortunately, Vanderbilt lost the game. Because if, if, if there had ever been an injustice in the world, uh, that's the, in my 40, 50 years of doing this, uh, the worst call I've ever seen was the phantom Vanderbilt touchdown uh, where he was out of bounds and dropped the ball, and they gave him a touchdown. Who was the opponent that day? I don't remember. I don't remember who they were playing. But it was. But for, fortunately, it's somebody that didn't take a loss that day on the, on the scoreboard because it was it was as grotesque a call. Uh, no, it was worse. It was worse than that call in the North Carolina Clemson game last year. Well, I want to tell you again. Talking to Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine in beautiful Birmingham, Alabama, where Lynn takes you to ten every Saturday morning. But Lynn, I want to talk about a couple of games that are of interest here, and those that you have strong opinions upon. That's uh, Louisiana Tech traveling to Fayetteville take on the Arkansas Razorbacks and then the Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles, your wife's favorite team. She went to college there for a little while. Uh, Southern Mississippi at Lexington, Kentucky versus the Wildcats. 
Yeah, you really got three ball games that I think are really interesting in, in the in the market there, those two in LSU Wisconsin. Um you know, this is this is an Arkansas team that lost a lot and it's a team that, that I really can't get a get a feel for. Uh, I'm not one of the ones that's bought onto the bandwagon. There are people though that have them rated in the top division of the of, of top, top part of the Western Division uh and to be a contender. Uh they lost the you know, they lost the a, a quarterback that had played for him for three years and been a starter for two years and they're replacing him with his younger brother who's never been a starter. Uh, they lost two thousand yard uh, running backs. The only team in the country that did that. They lost the Mackey Award winner Hunter Henry is the, the number one uh, tight end in America. Uh, they lost either two or three of their offensive linemen. Um, you know, uh, to me, that's not a formula for a great ball team. And um, but 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 Louisiana Tech is rebuilding just as badly. They lost Jeff Driscoll. Uh, they, they lost uh, Dixon, the running back. Who, you know, I was high on him from the first time I saw him as a freshman. Now, all he does is ends up scoring more uh, touchdowns than any running back in the history of college football. And overall, and I don't mean this bad towards Louisiana Tech, because I've become kind of a, a quasi-Tech fan, as you know. Uh, but they, uh, Conference USA teams, as a general rule, are not going to have the depth on a team that the SEC does because the recruiting of the higher-quality players, a larger number of them are going to SEC Power 5 Conference teams. That being said, the, uh, the depth, the quality depth of an SEC team is most likely going to uh, uh, get the get the call over a non-power five team, unless that power that non-power five team is bringing in some extremely skilled people that would offset that. And in this case, last year Louisiana Tech would have brought that in. This year they didn't. So I, it wouldn't surprise me to see Louisiana Tech give Arkansas a good ball game. It would surprise me if Louisiana Tech won the game. On the Southern Miss Kentucky side. Um, that really, uh, you know, if somebody asked me for my uh, upset pick of the week or one that certainly could be an upset, it's Southern Miss. Um, Kentucky does have a, a, a Drew Barker's back quarterback, so they got a returning quarterback. Uh, they got Boone Williams, uh, probably the most un, unheralded uh, running back in the SEC. If Boone Williams was playing with uh, LSU, then uh, Fournette and Boone Williams would be the two best running backs on any team in the country. He'd be the, the top running back on a number of teams in the country uh, in, in the SEC. Um, but Southern Miss is loaded. And everybody in our audience knows that. I mean, Nick Mullen, uh, who played uh, his high school ball uh, 15 minutes from my house, and who would be the starter right now at Alabama or Auburn, uh, is the is the fourth year starter for Southern Miss, and all he did last year was get like 4,000 yards or something, and and uh, and, and average 40 points a game. He's got Edom Smith uh, as his running back, and he's a I think he might have been a thousand yard rusher. He's a veteran. Uh, they got good wide receivers, uh, and they got confidence. And um, and I think Southern Miss has an excellent chance to go into Lexington and win that ball game. You know, one thing I think about the Golden Eagles, Lynn, is the fact that uh, Todd Munkin left them and went to Tampa Bay. And I like the fact that they replaced him with Jay Hobson. Jay is a winner. He's won at Alcorn. And I think sometimes a transition, you you could look at the, on paper and say, why in the world would Todd Munkin want to leave to go to the NFL where you could talk money? But I think Todd Munkin, he was able to go in and resurrect that program. And sometimes it is easier to coach at a school when there were low expectations coming in off of Ellis Johnson and what he was able to do, and he got him to the point, well, now you've got something that's great that hasn't been seen since the Jeff Bauer days, and that's the fact, like you said, expectations because everyone knows you're loaded. And I think Jay Hobson is a coach, played in the SEC, coached at a lot of great places. I think they've got the coach to, to lead him towards the championship and the upset today. Yeah, three or four years ago, Southern Miss would have been hoping to go in there. And while they would have said, yeah, we expect to win, in the back of their mind they're thinking, let's don't get embarrassed on television. Uh, I'll guarantee you, there's not a Southern Miss coach or player that's going into Lexington uh, today without the thought that they're going to win that ball game. 
Absolutely. Now a turnover to, to I guess you would say the the entrees for tonight, and that is going to be. LSU, Wisconsin. Now, by the way, that is not the first college game. A lot of people are reporting that is the first college game at Lambeau Field. Yeah, there was one. There was one played thirty or forty years ago. Stephen Norbert, um, Norbert College, and Fordham played back to back years in nineteen eighty two and eighty three. So nineteen eighty three, which uh, it was like a Fordham lost the game, and I, the reason I remember that I don't remember it. I looked it up. Fordham is where Vince Lombardi played. It was a little series they had. So they have had college football. So let's just say it's the first one in 30 years and the first time anybody from the Power Five has yeah, and I don't, I don't mean it to sound bad, but this is the first real college game. Oh, Lynn, come on. Now. We love Division Two and Well, that was Division Three. We even like Division Three. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I'd... With all due respect, now, hey, we cover Division Three. Lindish covers Division Two and Division Three better than any magazine in the country. And uh, you know, and, and we we give the we give the best coverage of 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 those divisions of any any uh, of sports venue any, anywhere. But with all due respect, um, this is this is the first to me. This is the first college football game that's been played uh, on on Lambeau Field. And I've told you before, if I, I mean I've got my press pass and I'm leaving here in 30 minutes heading to Auburn to be in the press box for the Auburn Clemson game. But if I had my choice of any game I could cover, I'd be up there. I'd like to see the Wisconsin team run out on Lambeau Field for the very first time uh, with 50 or 60,000 people up there in the stands in, in red. Uh, the emotion of that uh, happening is just, you know, is, is, is going to be something off the charts. Uh, LSU will certainly have a good crowd up there. They'll have probably uh, a lot of folks outside the stadium that can't get tickets. And, um, and it's, it's going to be a great game to be able to cover. I don't expect it to be a classic game. I think emotionally, uh, Wisconsin's ahead before the game starts. And, uh, you know, LSU's behind 7 to nothing probably when they kick off. However, uh, probably in two possessions, LSU's ahead 14 to 7. And, um, and that's that. This is not a classically great Wisconsin team. They, uh, on the, we had, they had one player on our all big 10 team, our preachers all big 10 team. He was their, uh, veteran offensive lineman who quit. Uh, health, health issues caused him to quit. So the only guy they had, uh, according to our guys that were, uh, was first team all big 10 player is, is no longer on the team. And that's a huge loss. That's a three-year veteran offensive lineman. Um, you know, in LSU, on the other hand, uh, Fournette's the best running back in the country. Uh, they're solid on defense. They were number seven in the country last year in, in rushing defense. Well, Wisconsin's power thing has always been the running game. And last year, they were not a classic running game. So they're going to try to establish a running game against the number seven rushing defense in the country um, with, a, with a coordinator that came from Wisconsin. So this time last year, one of the LSU coordinators was on the Wisconsin staff. I just don't. I just don't see any way that Wisconsin wins this game. Everything, everything other than where they're playing, uh, goes strongly for LSU. I think if, if they're playing in Tiger Stadium, I think LSU wins this game by by comfortable margin. Uh, and they may win it by comfortable margin today. But uh, but I, if it was in if it was in Baton Rouge, I I don't think it'd be a close ball game. Well, I just want to tell you to keep all our listeners up on their history before we talk about Alabama and USC and Auburn and Clemson. It was November the 19th, 1983. St. Norbert College defeated Fordham 18-9 to in front of 842 people. So it will be an entirely different scene today at Lambeau Field. Yeah, you, you'll have 842 people in one of the hot dog lines. <laughs> I mean, so that's kind of silly. I know we're running out of time. I'll hit them real short. I think Alabama beat Southern Cal. This is not a classically great Southern Cal team. Um, it's strength against strength and weakness against weakness more or less. Alabama's defense outstanding. 
the uh, Southern Cal returns 10 of its 11 offensive starters. The only one they miss is, uh, is, is their quarterback, but he's a, a very highly rated quarterback. On the flip side of that, uh, uh, Alabama's defensive line is great. Uh, Southern Cal lost every member of its defensive line. They returned nobody in the defensive line. So you've got that situation with uh, with them. Um, if, I, if I had confidence in Alabama's quarterback situation, I think they went comfortably. But as it now stands, uh, we don't we don't know that to be the case. Uh, so I, I like I like Alabama. I would be very surprised if uh, if that were to be the case uh, with Southern Cal to win uh, at Auburn. Sort of the same situation. I think that uh, Auburn's real question is a quarterback. Uh, can can Sean White operate that offense enough uh, to give Auburn's defense a shot? Um, Clemson has the best offense in, in the country. I don't think there's any question about that. But Auburn's defense is better than what people give them credit for. Uh, I think the real issue is going to be. Does Auburn have a quarterback that can run the offense? Last year they did not, and they uh, finished seven and six. Uh, this year, if they do, hey, Auburn could be a ten-win team. They're they're very good uh, overall. Uh, will their will their quarterback get the job done? Until we've seen a quarterback uh, on on this Auburn team that can run the offense, you've got to go when they're playing a power opponent. You've got to go with that other opponent. Uh, if Auburn were to beat Clemson today or play very close. I might see a different thing when we're talking in a couple of weeks about the uh, Auburn Texas A&M game. Well, that's what Danny Sheridan yeah. said, Lynn. He said that if Franklin was the starting quarterback at Auburn, he could easily see this w- team winning ten games. Yeah, I know that, but you know, I think it's amazing that Danny Sheridan, who probably has never attended an Auburn practice in his life, um, uh, has a better idea of who ought to be the Auburn quarterback than uh, than the Auburn coaching staff does. So that was a uh, that was kind of insightful to me that he would uh, that he would say that. Right. But, uh, but yeah, and, and the thing is, maybe he's right. But he certainly has nothing upon which to base that. Well, and also, too, I'm still waiting for him to release the name of the bagman from uh, 2010, the Cam Newton saga. Yeah, well, he'll, he'll be calling the plays. Uh, Danny Sheridan will be calling the plays at Auburn before he ever comes up for that. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to tell you, I'd like to show you what the $1 million is that I've uh, hidden in my backyard, but I didn't do it. So if, I, if I'm basing the something I say to you on uh, something I know to be a lie, then, uh, then uh, you're probably not going to have it. So well, don't hold your breath on that Danny Sheridan Bagman thing. Well, if you got a million dollars hidden in your backyard, as soon as this show is over, I'm making my way to Birmingham because I know you're leaving to go cover the game at Auburn. So if you find some holes in the uh, backyard today, Lynn, that was just moles. you got a mole. Well, in that's, not a, that's not a problem. In fact, i got a couple of things I need dug up. I, I, <laughs> just look for where the yellow markings are and dig those up first. Lynn, I always enjoy talking to you. Lynn takes you to 10 on Saturday morning. Lynn, have a safe trip, and look forward to talking to you next week. Yeah, thanks, man. Let's hope it's a really good day for the SEC. This could be a bad day losing a lot of bad games, but this could be one of the best days in SEC history if the good if, if the big teams will go out and win their ball games. All right, Lynn, certainly appreciate it, and travel safe. All right, Nick, talk to you soon. All right, that's, that's Lynn Scarborough from Lindy's Magazine. Lynn takes you to 10 every Saturday morning on the Nick Brown Show. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Nick Brown Show. Tune in live every Saturday on ESPN977.com or subscribe to the show in iTunes, on Stitcher, or at redpeachsports.com.